0: To thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Baucom. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. We all live in a distracted world, so many things calling for our attention. In fact, that's kind of what the world is about, trying to catch our attention. We have advertisers trying to catch our attention. We have people around us trying to catch our attention. We have so many things to pay attention to, so many devices, so much coming at us. You've probably got so many things going on in your life that sometimes it's as if this moment is gone to some distraction somewhere else. And maybe sometimes you're even thinking about all the things that you have to get done or all the things that have already happened and you get lost in the moment. And maybe you're not really present for yourself or your loved ones. Well, that's the problem with mindfulness. It's sometimes hard to get to that place of being mindful because our mind is so full of other things all the time. And yet, one of the places where that can change is by being mindful. So today, my guest is Joanne King, who is trained in mindfulness and has a particular focus these days on mindful eating, She and I are going to talk about how you can be more mindful and first understand what it means to even be mindful, but then we're going to walk you through a couple of techniques. She's going to lead you through a couple of breath exercises, and then we talk about the importance of how we eat, because that really is where we're trying to bring nourishment into our body, but sometimes we don't do a great job because we're not mindful of what's going on. So, Join me now as we have a discussion about mindfulness and how we can be more mindful as Joanne King joins us for a conversation about mindfulness. So the mindfulness uh, idea is out in public so much. And sometimes we wonder what it means to be have your mind full versus being mindful. And today we're going to talk about that. So uh, Joanne, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to jump into this because it's such a r- rich topic. To talk a little bit about how you got to here. How did you end up in the mindful world, and uh, how has that changed your life?
1: That's a really great question, Lee. Thank you. Um, I started probably in the late 90s, mid to late 90s, uh, practicing yoga, and I became a devout yoga practitioner and mindfulness is actually a part of yoga, right? Mm -hmm. It's mindful movement because you can only be present with the body in the moment, right? Your mind can go to the past, your mind can go to the future, but your body is always in the present moment. And that's how I got to mindfulness was through that avenue. And then I wanted to go deeper And working, I became a yoga teacher. So I've been a yoga teacher for over 20 years. And I wanted to go deeper with my students. And I felt like the way to do that was to get a degree. So I went back to school. I got a degree in counseling psychology with a focus on mindfulness and contemplative science. Hmm. And so all the work I do is evidence-based.
0: So let's just stop there for a minute. Contemplative... Science, I think that was the term you used. What tell us what that what's that about?
1: So, contemplate science is uh, really about going within introspection, contemplative, right? And so, it's about taking people on a journey within themselves, so that they can learn about themselves and to live a happier, more fulfilling life through introspection.
0: Hmm. I Just to back up one more step, I found it very interesting. You were talking about how the m- mind can be in the past and the mind can be in the future, but the body is always in the present. And um, so I want to explore that. But first, just to be clear about that, when you talk about mindfulness, what does that mean? And uh, what, what are some ways that uh, people would know that there is mindfulness in, in their own life? I mean, what are the indicators of that?
1: So mindfulness is really about just staying present in the moment. So you're fully present to what's happening in this moment. Your mind isn't wandering to the past or to the future, right? Because when people's minds wander to the past, they become depressed. And when people's minds wander to the future, they become anxious. Mm -hmm. But the only place we can really find happiness and contentment is in this present moment. Mm. So give me the second part of your question again.
0: So um, what would that look like? How do people know that there is uh, some level of mindfulness? I, because I think a lot of people, you know, talked about that mindful thing. And I think we, we all around us, I think that we are present to what's going on around us. And so um, I'm wondering how someone would know that maybe they're not mindful. And then maybe some moments that you could point to where they are mindful. So
1: there are techniques that people can use to facilitate mindfulness, and there's two parts to that practice. There's the formal practice, and then there's the informal practice. So the formal practice would look like, well, you're going to sit down, you're going to close your eyes, you're going to check into your breath, you're going to check into your body, right? And so when you can keep yourself anchored in the present moment through those two anchors, the breath or the body, Mm -hmm. then you know you're being mindful. Now, the informal side of that, because there is an informal practice, could be you are washing dishes and you're washing your dishes, but you're completely present in the moment focused on those dishes or you're vacuuming or you're sweeping. So Tasks like that. You're online at the grocery store. You're fully present. You're not wandering off into the past or the future what do i have to do today i have to get here i have to get there right and that's causing some anxiety if you're online thinking about those kinds of things right mm-hmm. instead of just being present and focused on what's happening in the moment with the people in front of you and it's my turn and i'm going to you know engage kindly with the person who's my cashier and just and just being present can really be beneficial for everyone around you besides yourself and what does it look like when we're not being mindful Well, I I want you to imagine for a moment that you are driving home from work. You had a long day. You had a lot of stress. You have a lot of anxiety. You had deadlines you didn't meet. And you're driving home, but your wife calls and says, Hey, Lee, stop at the store. We need bread. Yeah, okay. So you're driving. And then all of a sudden, you end up pulling in your driveway in the garage, and you don't know how you got there. Mm. So I think a lot of people can relate to that story is that you are driving somewhere, but you end up driving somewhere else because you weren't present. You weren't engaged in the moment. You were off somewhere thinking about the deadlines you missed at work and what a bad day you had and how much stress you've. You had all day,
0: so basically distracted from the present, and that would be the yes. not being minded.
1: completely distracted. Yes,
0: and one of the things I, I you may you talked about yoga. Um, one of the things I do right now is jujitsu. It's a very physical nice. activity, and um, one of the so people often ask, you know, what do you like about that? And one of the things I really like about it is the fact that I can't. Be focused on anything else other than that, or, or I'm going to be in trouble very quickly. You know? So um, it's one of those where you walk into class and my mind has to be on what they're teaching and what we're practicing and how I'm sparring in that moment. And even thinking ahead one move, the other person is you know, two moves ahead of that if I'm not careful. So it's about being completely focused. That's, it sounds like the same kind of thing as yoga. Obviously, it's a different, but it keeps you very present to the moment
1: it is and it and it's very similar but different as well right when you're doing yoga you're feeling into your body and and the really great thing about that is that a lot of times uh we live from the neck up most people don't really feel into their bodies right mm-hmm. Um, And so yoga gives you the opportunity to really feel into the body and notice what kind of sensations am I having? Where am I having these sensations? Are they associated with any emotion, right? We can tie emotions in the body to thoughts in the mind.
0: So I'm I'm wondering, um, where do uh, emotions fit in? Let's say that I'm driving home and I'm really angry about something. How does that, I mean, I could be, I could say, oh, I know I'm angry. And so I must be mindful because I'm feeling the anger. What is, is that correct or th- does that miss something?
1: So, yes. Most people, if I were to ask you, well, Lee, where are you feeling the anger? What might you say?
0: Oh, in my chest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gut to So you to feel chest. it in your chest. Mm-hmm.
1: And maybe you feel a little bit of warming of the body. The body heats up when we're angry usually. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. people feel hot. Mm-hmm. They'll feel it in their chest. They'll feel their chest tightening. They might even feel their face scrunching up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, the thing to do, like a lot of times – when people tell me they're driving and they're having uh, anger while they're driving, especially because of other drivers, yeah, right? right? We have that issue. Like we're the only one on the road and nobody else is there, but yeah, no, we have other people. And a lot of times other people give us road rage. So, yeah,
0: so that means that we're the ones driving, right? Correct. Yeah. You know, everybody else <laughs> is, is driving crazily and I'm driving sensibly.
1: <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah. Um, but Anyway, so I like, I like to tell people we have to start to look at it a little bit differently, right? Mm-hmm. Perhaps looking at it from the other person's point of view, the person who just cut you off. Typically, what I like to do is if someone does cut me off, um, initially, of course, I'm going to get like, what? <laughs> Why did you do that? Mm-hmm. But then I, I say to myself, wait a minute, perhaps that person is in a hurry. He's late for work. Maybe his wife is sick. Maybe he's in a hurry to get somewhere, right? So I just sort of put myself in that person's shoes and I'm able to lower that kind of anger towards the other person. So it's, it's how we look at our thoughts and changing our thoughts that can help us to become more mindful and live a happier, more pleasant life. Without reacting in situations, mindfulness gives us the opportunity to learn to respond instead of react.
0: So, um, I, I wanna come back to the respond, react piece, but um, let's talk a little bit more about th- uh, thinking about thoughts. You know, what <laughs> um, the fact that we're having the thoughts, what does that mean in a mindfulness kind of way? Um, versus, so let's go back a little bit deeper. I've talked to people who are working to learn to meditate and they just find that all that's happening is their mind is bombarded by thoughts.
1: That's normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: so how does that fit into mindfulness?
1: Yeah, that's really normal. I mean, if you think about the purpose of why we think so much and why we have so many negative thoughts, it comes from, our ancestors, right? Who had to be on guard all the time, right? Because if they went out hunting and they were looking for dinner and they weren't paying attention, they could be attacked by a saber toothed tiger that's hiding in the bushes looking for his dinner. Mm -hmm. So we learn to be on edge all the time and really careful about what's going on around us. And so that's come all through these years. And now it plays out as stress and anxiety around, say, work or driving or children, whatever is causing you issues. It's coming to our lives now, but we really don't need that anymore. And so that is part of our autonomic nervous system, right, which keeps our sympathetic part of that nervous system really high because we're on that fight, flight, or freeze. So we And we don't really need to be there all the time. And so it's about raising the parasympathetic side of the nervous system to meet so that they're in balance. And Japan is actually the only country that recognizes that imbalance as an issue for people in the medical community. No, uh, There's no other country that recognizes the imbalance of the sympathetic and parasympathetic. Hmm. And so how, how do we balance it? We use our breath. It's about coming into the present moment. It's about focusing on the breath. It's about just breathing and being in the moment.
0: So, um, I've had conversations with people who will tell me, you know, they'll tell me their thought, but they're not telling me their thought is, it's my thought, but it's reality. And so they'll tell me something. I'll go, well, that's, that's a thought. I mean, you're having a thought. And they often say, well, no, that's reality. It's not a thought, it's reality. And so, how can someone begin to get a little space, because I, I think when you talk about the difference between responding and reacting, there has to be a space in there where they're aware that that's a thought mm-hmm. versus necessarily being reality.
1: Right. So our thoughts, we, we have um, between, I think, sixty and 80,000 thoughts a day. Hmm. That's a lot of thoughts, right? Yeah. Most of them are negative. We have a lot of negative thoughts. We have a, our minds have a negative propensity, so we have a lot of negative thoughts so how do we how do we deal with that when we have a thought right um, so, for example, if you are walking down the street and you see a friend across the street and you 're waving to your friend and your friend just doesn't even wave or acknowledge you at all. Well, what's the thought you're going to have? Perhaps you're going to be like, Oh my God, like, why didn't he wave at me? He must be really angry with me. I don't know what I did to him. Why isn't he saying hello to me? This is ridiculous. Right. So you're having these thoughts. So the thought is a real thought, but is that thought true? Hmm. That's the question. Well, It could be true, but let's let's look at some different points of view here. Perhaps your friend is so focused on something that he didn't even see you to wave hello to you. Mm -hmm. He didn't even see you. He was so focused looking straight ahead and thinking about whatever was on his mind that he didn't see you. So your thought that he's angry with you is a real thought, but it may not be true. Mm. And so then... We. I usually ask people, ask yourself again, is that thought really true? Think about it. Is that thought really true? So I'll ask them twice because the first time I say, is that thought really true? They'll say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I I know that's true, Mm -hmm. right? The mind is so quick to just come back, yes. Then I'll say, no, let's just think about it for a moment. Is it really true? And then perhaps they'll... Get contemplative about it and think about it, and then come back and say, Well, maybe not. Maybe he didn't see me. And then the final question I like to ask people is Well, who would you be without that thought? You might be happier. You might feel like, Well, yeah, maybe he didn't see me. I'm going to give him a call and say, Hey, what's up? I saw you the other day and I, you didn't wave. And then your friend will say, Well, I didn't, I didn't see you. And then you know your thought was real. But it's not true.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's a, a capacity of questioning the thought of. Uh, so I, sometimes you know, I, I mean, we all have the thoughts of, oh gosh, you know, I'm a failure. And so one of my things when I find that I, I try to have the habit of going, oh, I'm having the thought that I'm a failure. No, then I can say, you know what? What's that about? And what is there for me to learn from that? But it's beginning to question whether that's reality or just my experiencing of the moment
1: yes yeah, so i like to say many 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 of our thoughts are real but they're not true
0: mm-hmm.
1: so real but not true and that's one thing you can ask yourself like i'm not worthy when you're thinking i'm not worthy what did i do i'm stupid i made a mistake today right okay that's a real thought but it's not true and the that's mistake not may re- be true You are not
0: failure is not
1: right. And your mistakes do not define who you are Hmm. at
0: all. So let's talk for, I want to get into some practices. um, And I know that some of your practice is around eating mindfully, but before we get to the practices that can help somebody practice mindfulness, what are the benefits of maybe being more mindful? What, how does that change our lives? Hmm.
1: Oh, it's just huge. It, it, so physiologically, it'll lower your blood pressure, can lower your heart rate. Uh, there's, I mean, it's just a panacea of wonderful things that happen to you when you practice. You become a happier, more joyful person, right? So, so these are some of the really benefits is
0: so, for so your health. I know there are a lot of people who will be listening that are coming at this because they m- know me through relationship work. What kind of difference does it make if you're mindful in the midst of a relationship?
1: No, it's huge, really important to be mindful of the partner, right? And to learn to step back in the moment. Instead, here is again, where I'd like to use the example of you learn to respond instead of react. So many times in interpersonal relationships, we just learn to react, right? And it becomes a habit over the years. Like, When somebody does something, you have a reaction and you know you're reacting. You you don't even think, right? Our mind takes us on the quickest journey possible, and that's the mind's job. And it it reacts with the same habitual pattern that you've created over the years. But when you practice mindfulness, you can step back when you have an interaction with your partner and you can say, whoa, what's making him respond that way? Hmm you know, and you might be able to then say, well, what's going on with you today? Why are you so upset? Instead Mm -hmm. of just reacting like, well, you're so stupid. What's up with you? Why did you do that? Like, right. So being able to respond from that wise part of your mind is what the gift of mindfulness is really about.
0: Mm -hmm. My experience with people who are mindful is that I'm experiencing them. You know, they're really present instead of me talking to the hollow eyes or the, you know, while they're looking at their phone or wherever else they are, that they're actually present, that they're really engaged. And that can have a very different feel in a relationship than what I watch a lot of times.
1: Yeah. And how does that make you feel?
0: Yeah. Completely discounted. Something else is more important, whatever that is. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. So it's nice when you have that eye contact with someone and you're able to hear them. And you're able to even empathize with them, right? Mm. Being compassionate and caring. And caring on that really deep level that really matters to people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what is missing in a lot of relationships, even just friend relationships, right? Is that having that compassion and empathy for the other person and hearing, I'm listening to you and I care about what you're saying.
0: Mm. Okay, so let's move a little bit into how we can get to this place of responding rather than reacting and being more mindful. What are some, um, let's talk about a couple of ways that people can just experiment with this a little bit, learn from that, maybe have an experience of mindfulness that will help anchor this, and then how can they maybe expand that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so I have so many different um, breathing techniques that I like to work with people on, and if you, would you like to do a really short one right now? Would that be helpful?
0: Sure. Okay.
1: So this is a breathing exercise and it's, um, I call it the five, five, five. So it's a breath in for five. We count, we hold it for five. We exhale for five. We hold that for five and then we inhale again. So that's the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So inhale five, hold it, exhale five, hold it. And that's it. And practicing, and I like to say, practice three to five minutes a day. Just doing this morning and night will actually help to lower the sympathetic nervous system and raise the parasympathetic. So let's give it. Let's give it a shot. We'll do it. We'll do do a couple. We'll do three breaths. We'll do three rounds. Um, Just take a moment. So let's sit in a comfortable seated position. Make sure that you're comfortable. Your shoulders should be moving back and down. Your chin can be dropped ever so slightly towards your chest. And then I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes, bringing your upper eyelids down to meet your lower eyelids. And just breathing normal right now. Letting your eyes relax back into your head. As your eyes relax back, you'll notice your ears release, your jaw releases. And resting your tongue on the floor of your mouth so it's not touching your teeth. And the teeth can have just a little bit of separation. And now we're going to inhale to the count of five through the nose. One, two, three, four, five. Hold it. One, two, three, four, five. Exhale. One, two, three, four, five. Hold it. Inhale. One. Two, three, four, five. hold it. One, two, three, four, five. exhale. One, two, three, four, five. hold it. Two, three, four, five. last one, inhale. One, two, three, four, five. hold it. One, two, three, four, five. exhale. One, two, three, four, five. Hold it. One, two, three, four, five. Now coming back into this moment, opening your eyes. And just notice and look into your body with your inner eye, feeling with what we call proprioception. What are you feeling in your body?
0: Yeah. So, um, I mean, I've done lots of breathing stuff and it always, um, it's one of those things that you, you forget I mean, I don't have to think about breathing. It happens on its own. But when you take that over, you notice the shifts and in, in how your body relaxes a bit into that um, and also how you become aware of, A, I mean, some thoughts racing through my head. I'm like, oh my gosh, five seconds to hold it out. That's a while, you know, <laughs> and that's a thought coming into my head and um, also just kind of an awareness of more going on around me. It suddenly brings me back into uh present moment. Interesting you know, just day to day, we walk around breathing all the time. There's n- it, nothing we have to control about that. But your um, breathing technique, that one and many others, bring us back to an awareness that we do get to control that piece. That, I think it's the only part of our um, sympathetic care th- sympathetic system that we just can di- correct or directly impact. We can choose to do it differently.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, that's correct. It, it is the only thing that can we can use to lower the sympathetic, Mm -hmm. right? So when you find yourself feeling stressed, feeling upset, just take a, you know, three minute break. I call it a breath break. Take a breath break for three minutes. Just get centered on your breath, feel into your body. Notice, you know, am I angry? Am I feeling that tightness in my chest? Am I feeling anxiety? Am I feeling like I can't even breathe, right? So, I mean, there's, Your body talks to you in so many ways, it's just that we have to learn to tune in and listen to it. Our body has an innate intelligence that if we learn to listen to it, um, we can really get tuned in and start to feel better in many ways.
0: Mm. I was a chaplain, in uh, it was 1990, a few, few years there, ni- early 90s. Uh, I was a chaplain, and uh, they would often call me in in the evening when somebody was distressed. And one of the the reasons they loved to call me in was because they couldn't get anybody oxygenated. They, you know, they were they would have them on pure oxygen. They're like, you know, we can't get it. Can you do something? Um, and the reason they would ask is because I had a pretty good track record. And all I had them do was begin to breathe through their belly and basically have deeper mm-hmm. breaths through their belly. And longer exhales, and mm-hmm. um, two things uh, happen. First, you could watch the oxygen level just creep on up. Um, obviously, there are times when medically that's not going to happen, but many times when they're going, we don't know what's happening. We just this person should be better, um, and so th- I would watch the oxygen level, and that was a very interesting thing because it's on the screen, right? I mean, you could just see it marching up. And the other thing that happened is they often fell asleep long before. <laughs> I was finished, you know, they would be be out cold and uh, I would exit the room with them, you know, high 90s and oxygenation. So um, I became a firm believer in that. Um, They also like to call me into the ER when people were having a panic attack and we did the same thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Panic attack. Um, So I have a, for anxiety and panic attacks, I have a different breath work, but yeah, anyone, if they need it, they can just go to my website and email me. I'm happy to send it to them. So. so why
0: don't you go ahead and give this just because somebody might have, well, gone, Hey, yeah, is, what is that?
1: It's kind of a longer one. And that's why I just thought, well, I'd bring it up, but I didn't know if you wanted to spend time on it. So this one is called the four, seven, eight breath. And this is the relaxing breath. It's known as the relaxing breath. And this one is where you breathe in through your nose for the count of four. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to hold it for the count of seven. Mm. And then you're going to exhale for the count of eight. hmm. And so usually I like to try to get people to do five or six reps of that, never more than eight, uh, because it's a very strong breath work. And then there's other, you know, you need to put your tongue in a certain position. So there's other things that go along with it, but it's a, it's an amazing breath work. I had a client that was just riddled with anxiety and taking Valium every day to mm. keep him calm. Um, and it took about a year of religious practice, but he was able to get off of the anxiety medicine. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it can be successful. The person has to practice, though. That's the thing, right?
0: Well, which requires some, someone saying, yeah, I'm tired of it feeling this way. So let me see if I can practice. You yeah. said it's a longer URL, but what's, what's the address for that? And I'll just put it in the show notes along with the other address that you're going to give.
1: Sure. For my website.
0: Mm-hmm. Is that correct for your website? Yeah.
1: Yeah, Joanne J O A N N E King mm-hmm. Counseling dot com.
0: Okay, well, for people who are traveling around, uh, we will have that in the show notes, or you can just type it in now. And then we, so let's go ahead and bridge over a little bit. What would mindful eating look like? What's that about?
1: Mm, mindful eating. So, um, mindful eating is about losing weight without dieting. So it's actually a sustainable way to maintain your weight without counting calories or worrying about what food's going in, what food's coming out. Just it's all about just eating mindfully. Um, and I have an eight week course that I work with people. And, uh, most recently I have, um, A gentleman that just lost 12 pounds by the fifth week. So yeah, it's really helpful. So it's really about using your five senses, using sight, smell, taste, texture, and sound, and paying attention to what you're eating. I like to say, also having gratitude about your food, taking the time to look at your food. I also incorporate breath work with eating because people don't realize that the breath is so important, bringing oxygen that's necessary for the chemical reactions of digestion. And then also the breath for lowering the sympathetic. When you lower the sympathetic, you lower a hormone called cortisol, which is responsible for holding fat onto the body. So when you're able to incorporate the five senses, incorporate some breath work, incorporate nutritional information, incorporate understanding that we feed ourselves to nourish and provide vitality for our body. And so when you start to understand, well, what's the purpose of eating, then things change for you and you begin to eat in a way that your body feels good. So it's not like you eat something like a giant, you know, plate of macaroni and cheese and then you just want to zone out on the sofa for the next two hours, right? This is about eating food that provides vitality, whether it be, um, vegetables, salad, whatever you like that has nutritional benefits for the body. And again, like I said, if you can learn to tune into your body, you can understand what nutrients your body needs. Like perhaps you woke up this morning and you did your long walk and you came back and thought, gosh, I really want a banana. Well, why might you want a banana? Because it's full of potassium and perhaps you're potassium levels are low from the muscles of walking, you know, using up the nutrients in your body. So we tune into the body. I, there's a lot in the program that, that really helps people understand and learn about what they're eating and why, more importantly, why they're eating, how they're eating, what they're eating, when they're eating.
0: So part of what I heard in there is changing your relationship to food. I mean, I think a lot of us grow yes. up with uh, mm-hmm. not so functional uh, relationship with food; it's yes. it serves some other purpose than just giving us nourishment and vitality.
1: Yes, and that's correct. And it's not, and but then we have the food companies working against us mm-hmm. because we have something called the bliss point, mm-hmm. and the bliss point is where the food manufacturers take you to this point called the bliss point in your brain where they create food that's manufactured using the perfect combination of salt, fat, and sugar. And that perfect combination, the bliss point, actually facilitates the brain to release dopamine. And when the brain releases dopamine, that's your reward center saying, okay, eat more of that. And that's why if you sit down at you know, with a bag of chips, you say, well, I'm just going to eat a couple. Well, all of a sudden you look down, the whole bag is gone, Mm -hmm. right? Or, I mean, if we look at Doritos, Doritos is a completely manufactured food. It's, you know, it's just got so many ingredients in it, but they've made it to be the perfect food for when it hits your tongue, right? It's got that crunch. It's got that salt. It's got that sweetness. It's got that fat. And it just, oh, we eat that. We cannot just eat one Dorito.
0: Yeah, and and it's interesting. I mean, it. Um, we we don't. I, I notice a lot of people being distracted while they're eating, which I think is one way of not noticing what you know you're putting in and what that really tastes like. And so they'll be reading something. And I'll, I'll sometimes I'm curious. Have you read? what you're eating, you know, what, what the ingredients in that and how many chemicals are going into that. I have this kind of theory when I go into like McDonald's and, and I, I've eaten at McDonald's, so I'm, I'm not saying not to, but I've noticed how many people eat very distractedly at McDonald's. You know, they've got a paper in front of them. They've got a video in front of them. They, they're doing anything other than actually engaging with the food. It's just like the, they're getting it in, which um, may say something about, not just McDonald's, but all of the kind of fast food that I wonder if we really took a minute to taste what we're eating, if we would really agree with the taste.
1: (laughs) So that's so interesting that you say that because I did have a client that loved like fast food, right? Mm -hmm. And so he would go there and he really loved it before he started the program. And I'm not going to give this up and it's okay. You don't have to give up whatever you don't want to give up, right? This is about, the program is about, the person and what they like. And we work around that. And so um, once he learned to eat mindfully, after about the third week, he said to me, you know, I was sitting there eating the burger and I was like, this doesn't even taste good. And then it became his choice to choose something else to eat rather than the fast food.
0: Yeah. So I guess maybe one thing that happens there is instead of the food, we're looking for the dopamine hit.
1: Oh, absolutely. So
0: we're, we we put up with whatever to get to that.
1: The reward center. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's huge. That's, that's bigger than big, the bliss point.
0: So what, uh, just, is there something maybe somebody could do? Let's say they wanted to try out just a taste of an t- interesting wording, a taste of mindful uh, eating. What, what might they be able to just, let's say this evening at dinner, what could they do differently just for a second?
1: So I like to say pause, just, you know, get your plate ready, put it down, make sure there's no distractions, right? So make sure you're not on your phone, you're not texting, you're not watching the news, you're not reading the newspaper or magazines or anything. Your focus is 100% on what's in front of you. So put that plate down I want you to sit down and I want you to breathe. Just breathe normally, taking some deep breaths in, deep breaths out, and look at your food and perhaps smell it. Notice the colors. Notice if it makes any sounds, like if it's sizzling, like a steak or something sizzles or Mm -hmm. chicken. Um, And then if you can touch anything, feel the texture. And then finally put it in your mouth, but really take your time when you're biting into it and really notice the taste and savor that bite for as long as you can. Just chew it and chew it and notice. Most of the time we chew something really quick, boom, it goes down. So I have a mindful eating exercise that I do with people. And so part of that exercise is where they are instructed to put the food in their mouth and just chew it. I don't give them the instruction to swallow, but I want to say 90% of the people have already eaten whatever went in their mouth because it's a habit. Mm -hmm. We put the bite in, boom, we swallow it. We chew it maybe twice, boom. So really chew the food, really taste the food. Notice, and here's the other thing. After about three or four bites, our taste buds get tired Mm -hmm. and it's going to taste different. So notice after a few bites, does the fourth bite taste as good as the first bite? Maybe not. So maybe you don't want to eat that whole big plate of mac and cheese or mashed potatoes, whatever. Maybe you only need a few bites. I had another client that his habit was at night he would eat a half a gallon ice cream when he got home. That was his thing. So I got him to the point where he was eating three bites. That was it. He was able to do that for a while. And now he doesn't even eat ice cream at night anymore. Mm-hmm. And these are choices people make. Mm-hmm. They're not told, oh, you have to do it. No, this is your choice. But they go through the program and they learn just these simple little procedures to just pay attention in the moment what's going on.
0: So, um, I think it sounds like part of that is, I mean, we've to we're now full circle of actually being in that moment. So you taste something and I, you know, I, I think all of us have some awareness that a few bites in and it's all the same at that point. Yeah. You know, it was, oh, wow, that's really good. And oh yeah, it's okay. Um, you know, it, it kind of does dull a little bit. And so that's being attuned to that and r- recognizing that if what you're doing is eating for nourishment and vitality, not for, the dopamine hit or for whatever other relationship you have with food, suddenly that begins to be a mindful moment for you, even in that. Um, Talk a little bit about uh, your program um, and give some, how can people contact you uh, or get more information about that? How can they begin that process? Mm
1: -hmm. So, um, I have a free gift for your listeners today, which is a mindful eating guidebook. And so they're welcome to go to my website, to the page. There's a specific page for this called ditchthedietforlife.com. Mm-hmm. And they can have a copy of the mindful eating guidebook, which will help them to recognize what's mindful eating, what's mindless eating, and some steps that they can incorporate this into their life. That would be really helpful.
0: Okay, super. So, life dot com would be the place to get the free guide. Uh, it's very generous of you to give the Mindful Eating Guidebook, um, so people can begin to experiment a little bit with that.
1: Yes, yeah,
0: great, Joanne. This is is great, I, especially in our distracted world. I think it's so important for us to just have some ways of coming back to that present moment. Um, especially as you said, you know, when we can get caught up in our thoughts that lead to anxiety, depression, and lots of other emotional states that aren't really based in the moment, uh, that we have some way to return the moment. So thank you so much for all your thoughts about that and your advice and and even some ways that people can can begin that process.
1: Yes. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to talk with you today. And I really appreciate that. Thank you.
0: Thanks. Thanks for, for being here. And again, um, I have it in the show notes, but for anyone who might be walking around as I might've been or driving or anything else, you can find uh, the link to um, that guide at ditchthedietforlife.com. It's in the show notes again. Thanks, Joanne. Mahalo. <laughs> Thank you
1: <laughs> from Maui.